This week was a warmer week. The sun was out. It was shining. I could feel it upon my face. And we decided during our lunch break that we were going to walk around Gray's Lake. It was that first day that it was a little chilly before Gray's Lake started flooding over. And it was beautiful. The water was still frozen. The trees were still bare. But the snow was melting. And yes, there was a little bit of mud out there. But the eagles were soaring. The geese were honking. There were a ton of little bitty birds that were so excited to see grass. It was soothing. And that morning I felt it was very appropriate that I had read Psalm 23. As I took in a deep breath, as that air filled my lungs, I was beginning to understand what the psalmist had written. I was beginning to feel connected to the earth, to these other living creatures that inhabit this planet alongside me. From the grass, to the water, to the animals, to the birds. I was even looking for insects. I could see why this text is read so often at our hardest of times. Those hard times are when we need to get away for a moment. When we need to connect to God. Those hard times are when we need to unplug and reconnect to who we really are. Now, each summer, I get the luxury of having two weeks in which I get to unplug. I get one week where I direct rustic camp down at the Christian Conference Center. Now, the middle schoolers who are there sleep in non-electrical cabins. I sleep in a tent. Trust me when I say my tent is much nicer. Every year we have these kids that arrive, and for some reason they seem surprised that when we say it's rustic, it truly is rustic. They don't know how they're going to survive. They are so used to having some type of screen in their hands and in front of their faces, and there's not very good, if any, cell reception out toward rustic Cairo country. And so, and they don't have any electric, electricity there in their cabins to be able to plug in and charge those cell phones. And so some of them begin to freak out because they don't know how they're going to do it. And then they learn that whatever they eat for the week, they're going to have to cook themselves after learning how to start a fire that they themselves are going to have to start. They begin to sit here and doubt themselves. It takes them a few days for them to go through this withdrawal before they begin to fully embrace life without all of those distractions, before they remember how even to interact with other people without it being behind a keyboard, to speak to people, to make eye contact, to actually listen and hear others. 
some of those basic things that we do, such as washing dishes by hand, they've never done before. And it might sound silly to say that washing dishes helps them to slow down, but it truly does. During the week, the kids learn to look at nature, to be in nature, to reconnect with God and God's people. There's a reason why so many campers connect so strongly to their rustic Cairo days. It's the only camp that's unplugged. It's the only one that fully embraces the idea of slowing down, of rest. Now, the second week that I get to unplug each summer is with my family. We started a family camping tradition because it was the only vacation we could afford. But we fell in love with it because it was the one that made us actually slow down. We have yet to find a state park in the state of Iowa where we get cell reception. So there's no point in being glued to our phones while we're there. We are forced to rest, to interact with each other, to stop and listen to nature, to take a hike, to go for a walk. We enjoy our week away. It refreshes us in a way that we can't find any other place. It's our Sabbath for the year, so to speak. It's our time to rest. Now this week, I learned a little about entrainment from a fellow pastor, Karen Millard. And she said this, when our heart forms in the womb, a special cell called the pacemaker cell sets a beat. And every new cell that connects, every new cell that is created connects with the rhythm of the first cell and begins beating in time with it. This is called entrainment. It's an energy within our body. Now, laboratory experiments show that if one cardiac cell is removed from the body, that it will beat erratically and then die. But if two cardiac cells from different hearts are set side by side, they will take up one beat and survive. Not only do millions of cells entrain with one another in our heart, the heart itself creates an electromagnetic field it will entrain with other nearby fields. The two hearts will beat at the same time. The two hearts of two people sleeping next to each other will begin to beat together. The two hearts in close quarters, such as a caregiver and a patient, will begin entrainment beating together. Our bodies are amazing things. Our connectedness is undeniable. 
There's an author named Leonard Sweet who asked this question. Got some conflicted relationships? People who have attacked you and hurt you, whose very presence causes gruff intestinal rumble. The table reduces fighting. This is what he says. It's been proven that one of the secrets to a successful marriage to a loving family is to eat before you argue. I haven't tried this yet, so we'll see. Blood sugar levels correlate with irritability and annoyance. Low glucose levels escalate tensions and heighten tempers. The same goes for the body of Christ. The secret of a loving, forgiving church is to commune before you argue. In feeding you, I forgive you. This we receive from Christ. This gives us perspective. Now, Leonard goes on in his book to tell one other story that when you read Psalm 23, you can't help but share. Because we sit there and think that it's such an odd sentence as we heard in our children's moment for the Lord to set a table for us with our enemies. Many of us remember the days of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird facing off on the basketball court as arch competitors. I didn't realize it, but they started off as competitors when they were in high school and worked all their way up all the way competing against each other until they were both in the NBA. Their rivalry was well known, so well known and legendary for their dislike for each other that Converse Shoes paid the two of them to shoot a commercial together. One in the legendary white Converse sneakers, one in the legendary black Converse sneakers. Larry Bird only agreed to do it if he could do it and shoot the video in his hometown. So there they were shooting this commercial. And when it's over, Larry Bird's mom walks in. And as the men are leaving, she says, oh no, we're going to eat first. And his mom had made this meal for them. And there at her table, Mama Bird's table, That's where Larry Bird ended up meeting, I'm going to say this wrong if I don't look, Irvin Johnson. Is it, called, is it pronounced Irvin? Even though there's an E-A? Oh, okay. So Irvin Johnson. He was always Magic Johnson to me. And Larry Bird said, there at that table... I got to know Irvin Johnson for the first time. Irvin, I really liked. 
Magic? I didn't. (laughs) And he said, if Irvin hadn't have come out when I met him at my mom's table, I never would have taken the opportunity to get to know him. Have we left space at our table for the unexpected guests? For the person that isn't currently represented within our church, within our family, within our committees, within our board, within the life of the church? Have we left space in our homes for the unexpected to still not simply find room and find a seat, but to find a safe place where they can interact and become one with us? According to Jewish law, especially during festival times, the table is the center of their daily life. Christianity was built around tables, not around pulpits or altars, around tables. In the gospel, according to Luke, 20% of the gospel accounts mealtimes. 20%. If you read the gospels and you don't get hungry, you're not paying attention. Our times of prayer, our times of worship, our times of study, our times of togetherness should always lead us here to Christ. You prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I was taught the same as you, I am sure, that when someone invites you to eat with them, that you eat with them. You eat whatever they serve you, and you tell them thank you. The Lord prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. This week, our world cried in hearing about the Noor and Linwood mosques, mass shootings that killed men, women, and children. Many look at Muslims as being our enemies. But they are God's children, made in God's image. They are just as human as the rest of us. We sit at table with people. We eat at table with people. We get to know people in the process of being at table with them. We are no longer enemies. We become friends. We learn from them and expand because of them. We create more room, more space for all of humanity to join us. So let's join Christ and the many, many others this morning at this blessed table.